All right, let's get to the word. Uh, we're going to be in James 1 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip open there. James chapter 1. Uh, verse 19. Yep. Verse 19 through 27. Help a brother or sister out. Help them find it. If you've got it, I can wait. No sword drills today. But I do love sword drills. You should bring those back. While you're flipping there, James chapter 1. Yep, you're welcome. 19 through 27. So why James? Why James? We've been in Luke. We've been in Colossians. Um, But if you're wondering why we're in James tonight, it's because this dear brother who is now deceased since 2,000 years ago, um, who is actually our Lord's brother, he makes a fantastic statement in James. And it's about how to receive God's word, how to receive God's word. And the best part is it's so simple. It's not confusing. It's not complex. And it turns out that there is a right way and a wrong way to listen. It is possible to read the Bible without any change of heart. Um, Your parents might have told you to do something a hundred times, and then they accuse you of not listening, when maybe in reality, you did listen, you understood exactly what they said, but you couldn't have cared less to actually do the thing they wanted you to do. And then the problem was not that you didn't listen, but that you didn't receive their words as you were supposed to. You didn't receive them. So there's some backstory. Uh, I know we're jumping to James Uh, We're skipping the first 18 verses. But just for context, you need to know what was going on here. Uh, James, he was writing to Jewish believers in about AD 48. And these believers, they were poor. And they were oppressed. And they were spiritually dry. They were going through some really tough times. And James, he had a concern for these believers. And the first concern was that the church would become Worldly, We see that in chapter 4. And the second concern James had was that the church would stop acting like Christians. So his encouragement to them was to stay in the word of God. And so while it's true that this letter was written to first century Hebrews, it's also written to you, for us today. Second Timothy says, all scripture is God breathe. So let's read our passage, James 1, 19 through 27. And we're actually going to be camping on verse 21, but this is what it says. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So our first point, and go to the next slide here, is receive it with desire to change. How to receive God's word? Receive it with the desire to change. So go ahead, next slide again. You might have seen these before. These are Q-tips. Yes, Q-tips. I know someone in this room who thinks that these are not to be used for your ears, that they're actually not used to to clean out the earwax inside. Um, And so I want to prove this person wrong. Uh, I'll read this, and I quote, this is from Wikipedia. Very reliable. Wikipedia. The most common use of cotton swabs is to clean the ear canal by removing earwax. There you have it. Proven. All right. So why do I tell you this? Uh, Yes, clean your ears, uh, but filth accumulates. Okay. Filth accumulates. Wax accumulates, and it's gross. Uh, Dirty laundry accumulates, and it needs to get done. Okay, we don't like to do it, but it has to get done. Most importantly, it is the filthiness of sin and wickedness in our lives that must be dealt with. So look at verse 21 again. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. So put away all filthiness. Sin is the evil that we do. It's like wax. It keeps us from hearing the word of God. Now, why would that be? Right? It just, it sort of clings to us. James says to put it away, and that's putting it politely. Get rid of it. Paul would agree in Romans 13, 12. He says, cast off works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Throw it far from you. Why? It will blind. It will deafen. It will harden. Sin is serious and it's not something that we are to take lightly. My question on this first point for you is, do you desire to change? Do you desire to change? Do you have any interest in knowing God? And notice how James says all filthiness and all wickedness. So our thoughts, our motives, you know, what's inside of us, everything about us, all wickedness. I don't know what that looks like for you. All of us deal with sin in one form or another, but James says to get rid of it 
all. If you want to, you can turn to Ephesians 4, but I have it right here. Verse 21 through 22, it says, Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So sin, sin is fundamentally idolatrous. It's fundamentally idolatrous. Whether we think so or not, we are all worshipers of something. We're designed to worship. And sin, being deceptive, it creeps into our hearts. And we take the good gifts God gives us and we make them the gods that try to replace him. Right? So sin, it's deceptive. It's hidden. It's powerful. It makes you love other things and stop loving God. And we tend to accumulate these things to ourselves. That's our nature as fallen people. And so sin, when we think of sin, it's much more, it's much more than just doing the wrong thing. Sin blinds. It's, it's loving and worshiping the wrong things rather than God who made us. Uh, someone once told me it's like uh, putting your hand to your face and walking around complaining that you can't see very well. And if only you would just remove the hand, you would be able to see. And that sin acts like the same way in our hearts. That we need to remove the idols from our hearts. And until the idol is removed, it will distort your life. It will distort how you perceive things. It will distort how you think, how you act, what you desire. And so it's no wonder James tells us how to receive God's word. The first thing is to remove the sin, to throw it far from you. It's that serious. And not just to cast it as if we can get rid of it. It needs to be said that it's upon a person who did the work of removing the sin for us, okay? There is good news. The sin can be removed. Your worship can be properly focused. Your love for God can be restored. Scripture talks about this. It's repentance, right? Turning, turning from our sin and toward Christ, Right? Putting our faith in him. This is the true destruction of sin. It's laying it all upon the Savior. So receive God's word with desire to change. That's not all. Let's get to the second point. Receive it with humility. Receive it with humility. If you go back to verse 18, which we didn't read, it says this. Of his own will... He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So it was God's own will to bring us forth. He's saying it was God's will to save. It, it was his will to give you faith. It was his will to, to make you because we couldn't do it on our own. Right? Right? 
we are completely dead spiritually on our own. You might have heard that, you know, it's like we're, we're swimming, trying to stay alive. And you've heard Pastor Jay say before, and I love this. He says, you weren't drowning trying to swim. You're already drowned. You're already dead without Christ. That's the reality. We had no desire, no love, no inclination, no thought for Christ. And that's what happens when we're stuck in sin. But he brings us forth. It was his will to give us faith. We were like the Jews Jesus was speaking to in John 8.37. It says, you seek to kill me. Because my word finds no place in you. And these Pharisees, they knew the law. They knew the scriptures way better than we did. These guys spent their entire lives studying the word of God, yet it had no place in their hearts. They knew, but they didn't really know. So my question for you is, does the truth of Jesus have a place in your heart? Does it have a place in your heart? Do you have any appetite for the truth? It's like stuffing yourselves with candy in between meals. Uh, When it comes time to eat dinner, you actually have no appetite for it. Uh, You just don't want it because you were eating your Reese's or your Snickers. Um, We tend to do that in in a more serious sense, is we fill ourselves up with our own desires and our own cravings, whether it's sinful or not, but it's not upon the Lord. Do we have an appetite for the feast that is the word of God? Or do we replace our time with him for other things? What do we use? What do we do with our time? Verse 21, again, see that word implanting. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What does that mean? Implanted, implanting. It's like a, like a seed that's buried in soil and it gets roots. Some have said it's like grafting in a branch to a tree with a broken branch. That's the root Jesus speaks of. Uh, Matthew 7 says, Good trees bear good fruit. And as roots and fruits have connection, right? A tree is based on the kind of root that it has. So it is with the heart and our behavior, right? The heart and our behavior are linked. If you read ahead, again, we didn't read this. Verse 22, James is making a point. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We need to be doers of the word. The word of God changes your behavior because it changes your entire heart. That's what it's doing. Hebrews 4.12 says, it is living and active. It goes deep but we must receive it with, a, with humility. There's a certain attitude attached. 
So James says, receive with meekness the implanted word. And meekness, it just means humility, gentleness, humble. And so why would he say that? First off, it's command, right? Receive. It's not a suggestion of, it's probably a good idea to read, read the word of God. It's, it's no, you, you need this. Receive the implanted word. So it's a command. It's like oxygen, right? We, we need it to stay alive. We need it every day. We, we don't even have to think about breathing. We just, we do it because it helps us. Refusing God's word is like refusing oxygen. We need the words of our Lord. We need it because it leads you to the giver of life. So that word meekness or humility is important because pride can make us think that we don't need the word of God. That we don't need to read scripture in the morning. We don't need to read it at night. I can get my fill on the weekend. and I'm good. I'm good. My tank is full and it'll get me through the rest of the week. Um, but scripture says meditate on this day and night. You'll find it all over the Old Testament. Meditate. Receive it. So pride makes us think that we have no need. We have this self-dependence um, where we don't think we need to rely on the Lord. But what does it mean to receive the word, receive the word excuse me, with humility? Psalm 25 verse 9 says, He leads and teaches the humble his ways. So it means to be teachable to be teachable, to really want it, to actually desire the word of God, to open up our Bible because it is spending time with our Savior, the one who made us and then saved us. The opposite of humility would be to be prideful, to read it doubtfully, like there's no possible way it could mean what it says. But to be meek, to receive the word with humility is to say when you open your Bible, God, I, I trust you. I, I need you to help me understand. I need you to help me understand what your word is saying. Open my eyes. Because on my own, I, I, can't, I can't understand. Right? So we need to receive it with, with the Lord's help. We need to be teachable. Ask questions. So when you get saved, you know that the word is implanted in you, right? The Holy Spirit lives in you. God lives in you. And we keep receiving this truth every day, humbly to glorify God and to make much of him. We don't stop receiving this word once we're saved, right? We keep growing he says, receive this implanted word. These were believers. So James telling these believers to receive it, and they already had it. The implication is that you need to keep receiving this day by day, morning by morning, night by night. Right? Keep receiving this word. So for the next point, I want to talk about receiving it 
with a desire to grow. Receive it with a desire to grow. There's a growth attached to that word implanting. If we do think of it like a seed, we know that seeds take root. And then what happens, right? The tree comes out, the shoot, and then it bears fruit, right? We see that in the natural order of life. And 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, Brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us, how you ought to walk and please God, that you do so more and more, more and more. Keep receiving this. Keep walking with your mind set on trying to please the Lord. And so James says, you already have it, you know it, receive it again. And at the very center of the Bible is the gospel. It's the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ and the gospel is what takes root in your life. The gospel takes root. It's what your soul took in when you were saved. And the best part of that is that you can never outgrow the gospel. You will never outgrow it. You've heard it so many times. You have faithful teachers here. And yet the mystery of the gospel is revealed and it is infinitely deep, right? The Lord's thoughts are higher than ours and it replenishes us. It sustains us and we still need it every day. Some of you are going to graduate from junior high here in a few months. Excited for you guys. I'm positive you'll love 180, but you won't graduate from the gospel. You won't graduate from your need of of this good news, of what your Savior has done for you. Then you'll get to college, you'll get a job, and and again, the order of life takes place, but we don't graduate from from these things that, that was implanted in you from when you were first saved. You take it with you. So when you receive with meekness the implanted word, it means to to read, to meditate, to pray, to live it out, to desire it. Psalm 1 says, their delight. Their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on it, they meditate day and night like trees planted by streams of water. So receiving the word is to simply read it with a teachable attitude, thinking about it, praying to God about it, asking questions and remembering it. This this gospel that Jesus Christ, the son of God has come to the earth to live the life that we couldn't, us sinners. He obeyed the law perfectly and he went to the cross and, and suffered the wrath of God and died and he rose again, this perfect man. And he is seated on his throne in heaven, ruling. He sent his spirit to dwell inside of you. This truth makes us grow more and more like him and into his image. And that is the, that is the root that was implanted 
in you. Never, never neglect it, never forget it, right? Do you believe it? Do you believe this truth? Receive it again, right? James would say, receive again this implanted word. For some of you, it's already in you, and yet it continues to sustain your life, right? We should welcome the word like we welcome a friend into our house or We should welcome the word of God like we welcome surgery. It can be painful, but we know we need it. We need it. So to leave this point with the question, do you desire to grow in God's word? Do you desire to grow? I pray your desire to know the gospel's great truths and to know God extends beyond Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Uh, You'll leave here and... You'll know the truth. I pray that you desire to keep growing, right? To talk with your friends and to talk with your leaders and we'll, we'll break into small groups and that uh, we just keep maturing and, and keep growing in his word. If you don't have a Bible, um, take one with you before you leave and, and talk with a friend or a leader and let's get to know him. Let's get to know Christ. And with that, I just want to close with a few thoughts. Uh, we've gone over how to receive God's word, but why? Why receive God's word? And and the answer can be found in Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 through 9. Psalm 19, 7 through 9. And this is what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. Let's read verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. So this is why we receive it. This is why we receive the word of God, the implanted word, because it revives the soul and it makes us wise. It causes us to rejoice and it enlightens our eyes. It never fades and it reveals truth and meaning to life. But the only reason it does these things is because, as you know, it points to Jesus Christ in the gospel. Jesus revives the soul and makes us wise and gives us reason to rejoice, and he never fades, and he gives true meaning to our lives. So as you throw off the filthiness of sin and as you open your Bible with a teachable attitude, wanting to come at it humbly, and as you long to grow in your knowledge and character as a Christian, remember that it is the man, Jesus Christ, that, it is, that is at the center of all of it. And we need him every day. So let's pray and we'll head to small groups.
Lord, you are so good to us, and we thank you for your word. Your word is true, God, and it's implanted in your people. Lord, help us to have a desire to change, Lord, that we would throw off the sin that so easily finds its way into our hearts, Lord, that we can make idols of. And we know that you take that seriously, and we want to come before you and confess that um, Lord, we sin, but we know that you are a mighty Savior that can rid our hearts of these things. Lord, we ask that we would read, read your word with a humble attitude, Lord, with meekness, knowing, Lord, that your word has the power to save and to grow us. Lord, may we grow more and more each day every time we open your word, all for the purpose of knowing you, all for the purpose of growing, that we'll spend eternity with you. And I pray for those, Lord, who don't know you yet, that they would come and believe and ask questions, Lord. We know you're holy, that you are a loving God that has given us your word for the purpose of our salvation and sanctification, Lord. And I pray for every person in here, that your word would just be implanted all for your glory. We love you. Ask this in your name. Amen.